Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. Uh, as ever, I am your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, Musical Theater College Auditions. And today we have a super exciting show lined up for you. Um, you're going to hear Vicki Bussert um, from Baldwin Wallace's musical theater program. Um, and you'll hear a bit more about it in the episode itself, but Vicki really holds a special place in our MTCA. TCA Hearts as one of our OG faculty masterclass teachers. She's one of our first people who came in uh, um, and did a faculty masterclass with us and also was the very first um, to do a private audition day with us. We've known her for a really long time and had a really wonderful relationship for years, including many, many of our students who attended Baldwin Wallace. So um, it's really a special episode for us and we're so delighted to have her be the first um, of our college deep dive series. Um, and that's what this is. This series, you know, we're going to try to give you a snackable aud audio tour is our goal of these various great theater programs around the country. Uh, I really believe you can get to know the theater program, the ethos of a theater program better from hearing directly from faculty than maybe reading on a website or reading a brochure or maybe talking to an administrator at the college. Um, where possible when we're doing these, we're going to try to have people on who do the audition tours and or shape the direction of these programs. Um, so that's the goal of these kinds of episodes. Uh, and I hope you enjoy this first one. Today, we talk a bit about with Vicki about the boldness that it takes to be a Baldwin-Wallace student. Um, Vicki gives you her view on pre-screens and what makes a good audition. Hint, pets. If you have a pet, you can bring it into your audition. Uh, the artistic environment that Baldwin-Wallace creates, and then the practice of resilience that this college audition process can teach you. Um, up next, we have Devere Rogers. Uh, he's a buddy of mine who is a wonderful multi-hyphenate artist um, who's now turned into a TV and movie star. You cannot miss him um, on all these commercials and TV shows and, and movies. It's really amazing. Um, he's also an awesome writer, both in the musical theater and television world. So I'm excited for you guys to hear that. That will be coming up next. Let's get to the interview with Vicky. Awesome. Today I am joined by Victoria Bussert, known as Vicky. Uh, Vicky has an MA in theater and an MFA in directing from Northwestern University. She has a BA in theater and dance from Barrah College. Uh, Vicky is the director of music theater from Baldwin, for Baldwin Wallace University. Um, she's also an active director and resident director at the Idaho and Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festivals and at Cleveland's Great Lakes Theater. Nationally, her work has been seen all over the country, including a number of national tours and other wonderful productions. She also has directed worldwide, including productions in Russia, Denmark, Africa, England, and South America. In 2019, she was the recipient of the Cleveland Arts Prize for Outstanding Mid-Career Artists. And I hear if you are lucky, you can catch her playing cello around campus at Baldwin Wallace. 
Uh, Vicky, how'd we do so far on that bio? Uh, very true. <laughs> Actually, I've started uh, <laughs> I've started playing my cello again a little bit more regularly, so I'm very impressed. <laughs> Ooh, pandemic goals. Yeah, there you go. Um, a little bit about Baldwin Wallace. Uh, Baldwin Wallace is located in Berea, Ohio. It's right outside of Cleveland. They have small classes. Classes range from 18 to 22. Um, they offer BM, a BM in music theater, a BFA in acting, a BM in music theater direction, and a number of other BAs, BMEs, and BMs in the music world. Um, how do we hit with Baldwin Wallace there, Vicky? Fantastic. You are like right on it. We're doing it. Well, this is all yeah. Megan. She's really did the research. It's fantastic. <laughs> I want to take a second and say um, this is a really special interview for us um, to have as our first college faculty member as BW and MTCA have had such a special relationship over the years. Um, alongside with teaching a number of master classes with us for really years, um, six years ago, Vicky reached out and asked if we'd be interested in doing a private audition day with our students, which prompted us to begin holding MTCA private auditions, um, of which we had six this past calendar year. Um, so each year we've had a number of students accepted and attending Baldwin Wallace. We looked today and we've had, I think, we have 17 currently at your school right now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but also, it, it's another thing that this private audition day has become for us is a really great launching pad into the prime audition season for all our students. So you run such a great audition, Vicky, that like all of our students, even if they end up not attending Baldwin Wallace, have had such a great experience. It's really launched them into their other auditions. So it's wonderful thank to hear. You to, to you for that. Thank you. And welcome. We're so glad to have you on the podcast today. It's such an honor. It's truly an honor. I love MTCA. I have loved every person that we have accepted from MTCA. And you, Charlie, and Leo, and Ellen, you know, prior in the past, just it's, it is such a pleasure. The training that you all do is superb. And it makes it really fun to audition your students. That is so nice of you to say. Um, let's get into Baldwin Wallace a little bit, um, which is going to be the subject of our podcast. So first, before we do too much of the school, I'd love to just hear a little bit about your background in terms of how did you find yourself to be in this current amazing position that you're in? Well, you know, I never wanted to teach ever, especially college. I had no interest in it whatsoever, actually. Um, I was, um, I knew from a very early age that I wanted to be a theater director. Um, and that's what I kept telling people. And they kept saying, but you're a woman, you can't do that. So I literally went to a very large school to start off with. And the head of the theater department said, um, you can't be a director, but you can be an actor. Um, but you know, you're a woman, so you can't major in directing here. So I searched out an all women's college, which was Barra College. And I thought, I'm going to up my chances. I'm going to go to an all women's college. So mm. I got my degree in theater and dance from Barra College, which happened to house its own professional company during the summers, run by a wonderful uh, New York director, Vivian Madelon. So I hooked myself into that, um, that theater company and Vivian, uh, the second show I ever worked on professionally was Vivian's production of Mornings at Seven, which transferred the following year to Broadway and won the Tony for Best Revival. And, you know, in my college 
girl's head, I was thinking, well, that was easy. <laughs> the second show I worked on went to Broadway, um, <laughs> having no idea, you know, about the industry. But Vivian ended, ended up um, offering me a job as his assistant on Broadway for the revival of Brigadoon. So I did that and realized that I needed to get more training in order to not just be an assistant. So I um, went back to Northwestern, uh, applied for their MFA directing program, was turned down. And so I stayed and got my master's in theater, applied again, and was accepted as the only woman in my class uh, for as, for, as an MFA director. When I graduated, I worked as a casting director in film and TV for a year and realized, although I, I think of it as my grad schooling in casting, I realized, um, gee, it's not fair. I get to put together these fantastic casts and then they leave and somebody else gets to direct them. So uh-huh. once again, I was like back into this is not what I want to do. So um Gerald Friedman had just taken over the Great Lakes Theater in Cleveland, and he asked me to come uh, assist him. So that's how I got to Cleveland, did uh, 10 years working at Great Lakes and around the country as a professional director, including seven national tours. And then Baldwin Wallace approached me and said, we know you wouldn't have any interest, but do you know anybody who might want to take over our music theater program and give it one more shot. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I had just spent 10 and a half years, 10 and a half months on the road directing. And I thought, wow, I could actually ba- be based in one place and I could put together a program that really teaches what it is to be a professional and what the skill set is that is needed to work as a professional in the industry mm-hmm. because I was auditioning, you know, 5,000 actors a year in New York. And I thought mm-hmm. I, I'd be really interested in doing a very direct program of here's the skill set you need and to keep evolving that curriculum as our art form changes, which it does all the time. It's a very fluid art form. Mm. So that's how I got here. I got the job and they allowed me to put together a curriculum and um, I love it. I, I The big surprise to me was I absolutely love it. I love that story. It feels like it's like when someone's auditioning for a role and they're like, we're looking for a Vicky Busser type. And you're like, wait, Vicky Busser could do it. Could we get someone who was specifically made to do the job? So crazy. So crazy. Uh, we have to give you a little bit of a compliment for the job you've done too, in terms of what you've done to turn around the program and put it on the map in a short number of years. I mean, Baldwin Wallace went from a program where we would be like, what about putting it on, this on your list to like, people's first choices in a couple <laughs> years people go i want to go to baldwin wallace you know whereas before you know it would be like oh that's one that's in ohio what now everyone's heard of it everyone knows what it is everyone it's on the map we there's no one's list we have to add it to because it's already on their list you know it it's so funny in my first year um when i arrived at baldwin wallace i had five seniors two juniors and four sophomores Small class sizes, smart. and 10 freshmen that was the entire yes so I was like, I, I think we need to do a New York showcase. And, you know, they had never heard of a mm-hmm. showcase before. And I'm like, okay, packed everybody up in a van, rented a rehearsal studio on 45th, and um, set up 20 folding chairs. 
And it was my mother and her alumni group from Ohio State that happened to be touring in New York. Gotta start somewhere. <laughs> my husband to be was the conductor of Les Mis. So he came and one agent. And it was a five person showcase for about 18 minutes. And we signed our first agent signing in that room. Mm. And that was kind of the beginning, but you know, it's so funny, Charlie, one of the agents, when I was first calling around, somebody literally said to me, what's a Baldwin Wallace? As if it was a thing, not a school, just, you know, Mm -hmm. some item. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to say, I've had British directors. I had, I say a British director do the same thing to me with Carnegie Mellon. And that was a little like shot. And I was like, what in my ego? He goes, what's a Carnegie Mellon universe? Is that a grad school? I've never heard of a Carnegie Mellon. I was like, oh, great. All yeah, that money. I know. <laughs> um, I'd love to get a little bit into now kind of what it means to be a Baldwin Wallace student. Um, so if you just in brief, like, what do you think makes up the character of a Baldwin Wallace student in your mind? What an interesting question. Um, individuality, um, fearlessness, mm. a passion to communicate through this art form. Mm. Um, I think really think a diverse program is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always try to put together classes with huge diversity in every possible way. So I think really amplifying each student's uniqueness is one of the things we really strive to do. I love that. And would you, is it fair to characterize, you know, I think from the outside, we would say that a lot of Baldwin Wallace admittees um, tend to have some kind of musical ability and some kind of musical skill more than maybe a a random BFA musical theater program. I think uh, our students tend to really be drawn or really being connected to music uh, in a really deep way. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of our, I mean, our music requirements are higher than a normal BFA only by, you know, an extra semester of theory, an extra semester of piano. But Mm -hmm. you walk into this conservatory building every morning and you are surrounded by four floors of practice rooms, all Steinways. We're at all Steinway school. Okay, humble brag. (laughs) Little, just a little one. Um, But I remember when I walked in for my interview and just being surrounded by music and my soul was singing. I was so happy to be in that environment. It's been a little different this past year. Mm -hmm. So instead of walking in and being surrounded by literally, you know, 20 different kinds of music, now I'm surrounded by two because we have very strict COVID rules right now on on our practice rooms. But I find it to be just such a a privilege to walk into that kind of environment. And it feeds me, as do my students. I, I, the students' love for this art form feeds me, and I hope that mm. I can feed them back. It is, it's such an important relationship that we have. I love that. And I also think it was so generous of you guys to offer Steinways to each dorm room um, during the <laughs> pandemic so that everyone can have individual nice? experience. It's really kind. <laughs> Thank you to Baldwin Wallace for that. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit. So, you know, if we're talking a little bit about the, the kind of character of a student admitted into a, the school. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you think students come out change. So if I start as a freshman uh, um, and I have some of those qualities at Baldwin Wallace, what might the four years at school, how might they change me? How might I come out a little bit different than I started school? 
I think those four years are so pivotal in a young person's life. I find it a real privilege to get to work with 18 to 22, 23 year olds because they change as human beings. You're really leaving, you know, the teenage years and walking into adulthood. So I think it's taking all of those life experiences and being fearless to put them into your art. So I think everybody comes in wildly talented. You know, our job is to take that talent and really ground it in technique on one hand. And on the other hand, it is to encourage and amplify what is special about and different about each student. I think one of the things people always say when they look at our, you know, we'll do a senior group photo uh, for showcase. And first of all, people think that they're five years older than they are because they are uh, energized. Their energy is big. I mean, they really know who they are as seniors and they are confident enough to put that out into the world. So our job is to ground them in the technique to support their career and then really encourage that kind of energy to send them out really ready to participate in this art form professionally. Or, you know, the other thing I would say, because I'm I'm so proud of the different directions our grads have gone into. Mm -hmm. We have grads who have taken these skill sets and gone on to their masters, have gone on to being an agent, a casting director, starting their own studios. It's incredible. Um, Starring on cruise lines as the lead singers, traveling the world. So I am Mm -hmm. so, oh, oh, you know, we also have a number of extraordinary photographers. So it's like art goes through Mm -hmm. their bodies at all times and comes out in a multitude of different ways. But these these students and these grads are real artists. They are artists to their core. So however that is going to present itself professionally, I hope that these four years here ground their confidence in who they are as an artist. Mm, I love that. Um, are there any reasons why a student might not choose your school? If they're deciding between a couple different options, why would you maybe say, actually, Baldwin Wallace is not quite the right fit for you? We're uh, we're a Division three sports school. So if Saturday afternoon football <laughs> games are on your list of must-have must have college experiences, you're not going to like our school. <laughs> I know so few of our students who have gone to the football games except to sing the national anthem. Oh. Um, we are a small school. And when I say we're a small school, I'm saying we only got our first Starbucks in town within the last five years. So, you know, it's not, it's a, it's an incredibly safe environment, but it is a small town environment. Mm. There are not a lot of distractions. So you're going to spend your four years really focused on your development as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um there, yes, we do have fraternities and sororities. The majority of our music theater students just don't take advantage, or don't have the time, don't have the desire to branch off in those directions. Yeah. So I think it it 
it does appeal to a certain kind of student, but for people who want to be in the middle of a big city or in the middle of a football school, this would be the wrong choice. For sure, for sure. Um, what about outside of the theater program? Just talking about the college at large. Um, what can it maybe, what does Baldwin Wallace afford a prospective student beyond um, just your program? I Well, I think one of the great things is you are taking real liberal arts classes. You are not taking gen ed classes. Mm -hmm. So if you're taking anatomy, you're taking anatomy next to a pre-med student. Hmm. Um, it's you, you really get to do a deep dive into what interests you in terms of liberal arts classes. You have choices with those, but they're not going to be dumbed down. You also, if you um, academically are excelling, uh, you will be invited to join the Honors College, which is another layer of, mm -hmm. you know, um, academic excellence. Um, the conservatory is two blocks away from a park and a lake. Um, we are right on a 13 park system called the Emerald Necklace. Mm. So if you are a biker, you can bike, you know, around the entire park system. So we have a lot of um, like wonderful small, smaller town type experiences that you can partake in. We're also only 20 minutes away from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Playhouse Square in Cleveland is the second largest conglomeration of theaters outside of New York. Hmm. So you're 20 minutes away from seeing all the first national tours, or it's also the home of the Cleveland Playhouse, the oldest regional theater in the country country and Great Lakes Theater, where I am resident director and our students have the ability to understudy and be cast there, gaining equity membership candidate weeks yes. or getting their equity cards. Uh, that is so awesome. And now you make me, I want to check out the Emerald Necklace. Now I want to go bike around. Oh yeah. It's beautiful. So cool. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, anything about your school that we miss? Anything else you kind of want to brag about that we didn't get to hit here? I think our new BFA uh, straight acting program is really exciting. That is housed over in the theater department. Um, they have just hit their fifth year and it's very intense uh, program, really looking at uh, contemporary and classical non-musical theater. I also am really proud of the fact that everybody can audition for everything starting their first day on campus. Mm. So there are no uh, rules about stay in your lane. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in our students building a resume that includes a Shakespeare, opera, you know, along with musical yes. theater. So there are yes. so many different opportunities and those have grown incrementally as the BFA program has grown. Uh, it's so beautifully said because I was just talking with a different faculty about that who was from a straight acting program about the idea of like stay in your lanes that as soon as you graduate, there's no lanes. There no <laughs> now you just get out and right. if you can do it, if you're good at it, right. you go do it. Yeah. Right. We've added, you know, on camera this year, all of our seniors, we hooked them up to be able to do their own voiceover reels. Mm -hmm. So the idea is let's keep increasing the tools in the toolbox so that you have more opportunities to be hired. Great. I love that. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about the audition process. So especially for some of our listeners who are either beginning their audition process, about to go into it this year, um, and they're kind of looking forward at the daunting nature of, of what this year is going to hold for them. Um, I'd love to just hear in general, what do you think 
makes a great audition for Baba Malas. But what is a, a win for you when you see it in a room? A win for me is somebody who loves the material they've chosen and they've done a deep dive into how that material was created, meaning they've read the libretto, they know why a song exists, and they're bringing their own personalization to the material. That's what I love. You can mm. see the difference between people who sing things that they feel connected with and people who sing things that their voice teacher feels connected with. Uh -huh. And that's really important to me because it's our responsibility to teach technique. I'm not looking for, you know, the greatest vocalists. I am looking for people who really understand, who really have a passion to need to communicate through this art form. Mm -hmm. So if, if somebody finds it difficult or uninteresting to read a script, if they've chosen a song and they don't want to know how it came to be, that's probably not a great fit for us. Makes total sense. And what about, this is students' favorite question, what is there anything you don't want to see in an audition? Something that, that is a pet peeve or something you'd prefer not to see in an audition room? Only things about killing animals. That's the only thing I cannot tolerate. <laughs> Fair. I'm so glad we're going to be able to go back to in-person next year. However, we will continue to offer a couple of Zoom days yes. for people who don't, who aren't able to travel the campus or who do not want to make that trip. We will still do auditions in Florida, New York, Texas, mm -hmm. but um, we will financial equity is really important to me. Yes. And I don't, it's one of the reasons that pre-screens honestly hold no interest to me whatsoever because they're not, it's not apples to apples. You mm -hmm. know, somebody can afford to do a three camera pre-screen with auto tune. And that doesn't tell me anything. I learn far more from a Zoom than I do from a pre-screen green video. And honestly, Charlie, I love auditions. You know, I did 800 Zoom live Zoom auditions this year. I'm yes. so happy to audition live um, and try to make it as positive as an experience as possible. I'd rather, you know, exchange that energy than watch a video, you know, at midnight. It doesn't interest me. Totally makes sense. And I know you guys have taken a journey with, it was, there was different versions of you guys trying to say, could I make a pre-screen work or not? And this is where you find it. I did an optional pre-screen this year. So I thought, okay, let me <laughs> yeah. throw that out there. So if you want to do an optional pre-screen, so you're not paying the audition fee, one person, one person did the optional pre-screen. That's it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm with you. That is truly <laughs> optional then at that point. <laughs> Um, I love what you said, though, about increasing um, equity, right? It's one of the big things I think we've learned from this pandemic. With all that we've lost, and we all feel the huge loss of in-person interaction, but the access that people have gained internationally, across the country, we've noticed that with our classes, there are people who say, I would never have been able to take that class, but we're offering it online, and so now I can take it. It, it really is, a, it, it's, it, there's some, a lot of beautiful things that come from this terrible you know, pandemic as well. And in, in terms of being able to have more equity and more, more inclusion across, 
you know, different landscapes, different environments. A hundred percent. And that's so important. We need to remember what we've learned in this past year and not just throw it all out. Now we need to move into a new place where we can keep the best of both worlds. Yes. Um, I'm going to ask you my favorite question now. Um, if you had to estimate, and if you're not someone who estimates with numbers, you can do it however you want to estimate. But if you had to estimate how much of your decision in the room of to say yes or to say no, artistically the decision this is, is about the skill displayed in the material versus the intangible interactions. Maybe it's interview questions or adjustments. How much do you feel like comes from the work that the student is bringing in versus the interactions that you're having with the student in the room that go beyond the material? Hmm. I, and I almost combine those, Charlie. And I'd say the, the interactions that the students have with the material, mm -hmm. it is how they are able to bring themselves to the material and not just approach material technically. Mm -hmm. It's that marriage that interests me. That is why when someone enters the room, whether it's on Zoom or in person, the first thing we do is introduce all of us in the room. We try to make it as family friendly as possible. We did all of our Zooms this year in our uh, Greg Daniels, who's the head of dance would set up his basement with candles. He had his pug. I had my Havanese. <laughs> I had a blanket. We, we literally tried to make it like, come join us in the house. No background or, you know, it's just, no, come sit on the couch with us. And honestly, we try to do exactly the same thing in the room live, including the dogs. <laughs> Auditioning is such a wacky thing anyway, but mm -hmm. it is our art form's way of uh, having a job interview. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason why seniors in high school should have a comfortability yet. You know, it's all new. So for us, we try to make it as friendly and as accessible as possible. So they have as much opportunity to be willing to share themselves with us. Hmm. Well, of course, this all makes sense of why you don't want pieces where the animals are being killed if you're all <laughs> sitting there with your pets and you'd have to cover They're... their ears or something. <laughs> I wonder. Um, to the best of your knowledge, do you feel like you have a sense how much of the artistic admission um, is weighed versus the academic? So for, you know, you say, yes, this person artistically is a yes for me. How much then of a factor is there in terms of grades, SATs, the essays, you know, sort of the college um, part of the, the application? That's such a good question. I separate those out a bit. Um, the school... 99.9% .9 of the time has to approve the academics before we are able to see them in an audition. Mm -hmm. um, where it comes into play is depending on their grades, they get higher scholarship amounts. Mm -hmm. The school is uh, provides an incredible amount of financial scholarshiping. I have rarely seen a student in our program pay uh, full tuition, you know, and that's initially based on grades. Uh, after freshman year, it can be followed with talent scholarships or um, leadership scholarships. Uh -huh. The essays, 
I am finding more important this year because I haven't been able to sit in the room where we haven't been breathing the same air. So I've been reading all of the essays, which I have found so moving and powerful. And they have impacted me, honestly. Um, I really want to support interesting people. I think we should support artists. And when I see somebody, I'll say to my partners, you know, that's the real deal. Um, When we commit to a student, we are committed. We, that's it. You know, we have no cut system. Mm. We have what I call the self-cut system, which would be not going to classes. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are, we are there to support, you know, that seed that we saw in the audition room. Oh, yeah, I love that. Um, is there any just a little bit of maybe final advice that you would give to a student, let's say maybe a student who is really approaching the process, if they're a current junior, and they're really kind of peering forward at, I'm about to be diving into this, any sort of um, advice that you would give them as they look at Baldwin Wallace as a, an option? Well, I'll, I'll say this uh, in general for everybody auditioning for music theater programs. Auditioning is not personal. Meaning, if you don't go get into a school, it has nothing to do with your self-worth at all. Um, as a professional actor, you will be turned down far more than you are going to get the jobs. So I try to look at that year, that senior year of high school, is practicing resilience and really practicing not absorbing these responses personally. It does not matter if you get 25 acceptances or if you get one, you're only going to go to one school. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really not a fan of the people who are like, I've been accepted at all of these schools. It does not matter. Um, we've had incredibly talented students who have gone on to major Broadway careers mm-hmm. and we were the only school that accepted them. So I just think the most important thing going into your senior year is getting very clear about separating self-worth from the audition experience. Incredibly important. That's beautifully said. And and a life skill that you likely will need in other professions, but certainly will need in this profession. Mm-hmm. If you're going to put your self-worth and your identity all wrapped up in did I get the job or not, you're not going to live a very happy life. It's just no, you won't. It's not going to be true. You'll be out of our business very quickly. Yeah. Uh, Just a couple questions in in sort of wrapping up as we kind of look ahead. Um, I'd love to talk a bit about the kind of specific challenges of 2021 and beyond, um, both in terms of uh, the sort of demands for equity um, in terms of racial equity and and we talked a little bit about financial equity and then also kind of the challenges of a virtual world. So what, what has this past year in the way that it's impacted you? How has that, you know, made Bald and Wallace look in the mirror and say, what what, what are we going to do and how are we going to adjust uh, our program? Well, we've always been one of the most diverse programs in the country, and we will continue on that pathway. Um, we uh, were the first university uh, that was um, accepted as an ally for Broadway for Racial Justice. We uh, created our own document this summer of how we could better support our BIPOC students. And we have taken really significant action to do that, starting with creating um, 
a coalition of our Black students, not only in music theater, but in theater and in vocal performance. Uh, and bringing in workshops. When I say bringing in, I mean Zooming in because we weren't allowed to bring in guests to the campus this year, mm -hmm. but creating workshops specifically for that population. We are working on, um, we have with our BIPOC faculty and staff as working as resources specifically for our BIPOC students. And uh, the conservatory is very quickly adding more and more BIPOC faculty. Mm. We added an incredible woman, Colleen Longshock Jackson, uh, as one of our adjuncts in music theater. We are having a BIPOC uh, voice faculty member come in for next year. We have a brand new uh, black cellist from Juilliard who is taking over our cello program. And he's right across the hall from me. So I'm going to be bringing my cello to the office. <laughs> it's I, I'm so excited that he's joining our faculty. No competition. Well, <laughs> but the great thing is, I think we, our awareness, as much as diversity has been a critical cornerstone of this program, um, we continue to learn and we will continue to strive to do better. Um, one of the things we did this year was we put our entire music theater program through EDI training the first two weekends of the fall semester. And mm -hmm. we are going to do that now every year, and we're going to keep those conversations going. Awesome. Um, any final thoughts? Any, anything else that you feel like you didn't get to, to say that you would really want to, people to know about Baldwin Wallace or you? It is such an honor to train the next generation of theater artists, and it's a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. And it's a responsibility that none of us take lightly, and we welcome this opportunity to get to meet next year's auditionees and just welcome you into this art form, whether you come to Baldwin Wallace or not. There are so many fantastic programs out there. You know, remember that you are auditioning the program at the same time the program's auditioning you. You will find your home, your artistic home for four years. Mm. I always like that four years because it feels like training for the Olympics to me. <laughs> you know, the way we, you know, you want to peak at the end of that four years for the Olympics. I think of that the same way in terms of training as an artist. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, where could, if someone loved hearing you talk today and they wanted to either follow you or follow the school, where could students, are there any apps and tags you'd want to hit us with in terms of um, if students want to know more about Baldwin Wallace? Yeah. So you can look us up on Instagram, uh, BW Music Theater. On Facebook, we're BWMT. And I'm just Victoria Bussert on both. So feel free to, you know, follow us anywhere you would like. Thank you so much for the time, Vicki. It was such a pleasure to get to chat with you and such an honor to have you as our first guest. It's an honor to be connected with MTCA. So thank you, Charlie. And thank you, Megan. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Vicki. Um, I want to take a second. Uh, this is where we'll do like a little takeaway, uh, a moment to kind of highlight and zoom in on a topic that came up today that we didn't get deeply into. So in terms of environment, uh, you heard Vicky and uh, me talking a little bit about the environment that Baldwin Wallace creates. Um, I think it's a really important factor for you when you're considering your colleges, whether it's because you're considering uh, 
schools that you've actually gotten into if you're at that lucky place in the process, or if you're sort of starting to begin to consider a school list. A lot of people will consider campus size in terms of, is it a big campus? Is it a small campus? But also considering a little bit of that artistic environment. Um, Vicky painted that really beautiful picture of Steinways all around where you have 20 uh, rehearsal rooms going at once and, and you sort of feel the art in the air that's being created. That's a really cool thing that a conservatory school um, can often give you or a conservatory style school can often give you that feeling of artistry all around me. Maybe even other artists practicing other art forms in the same building as me can be really cool and can kind of cultivate that sense of artistry. There's also often a little bit more sort of safety in some of the bubble that, that Vicky was describing of we're going to give you four years and you're going to really get to, to practice a, a kind of boldness or a kind of, of artistry that encourages you to try new things and fail and, and make mistakes. And that can be sometimes a little harder to find in those uh, major hubs of the industry cities. You know, when you talk about New York and Chicago and L.A., it can be sometimes a little harder to find that safe feeling of I really feel free to fail, free to explore, free, free to be the kind of bold artist um, that Vicky was describing. Uh, the other thing I just want to talk a bit about, uh, Vicky brought up that idea of practicing resilience, which I just love that phrase, something I talk about a lot with our students about in webinars. It's often a little inspirational quote I try to share with them. Um, there's this old Steve Nash theory um, of what he says. Steve Nash is a, a Hall of Fame basketball player. And he says, if you have people of generally like talent, the biggest factor he looks for and whether they're going to be successful is their resilience, is testing their resilience whether it's you can jump the highest, you're the fastest and all those things, much less of a big factor than how you're going to deal with the inevitable hurdles that come up. It is also, especially at this young age, it is a really malleable muscle that you can work out and improve. You can literally practice resilience as if you're going to the gym to go, what did it feel like to get knocked down? How do I pick myself up? How do I deal with the, the you know, punch that I wasn't expecting and then get back in the ring? to make a weird uh, boxing metaphor along with our basketball. Um, but I think it's really true in sports and in theater. And it's, boy, the number of people, the number of incredibly talented people in this profession who just emotionally aren't necessarily able to handle the knocks, aren't able, able to handle the rejection. It's really hard. Um, but if it's something you start practicing now, you can see those people who are really healthy have divorced their self-worth from what they're actually doing. So that was my audition. It wasn't who I am. It was just me for 10 minutes on this day boy, you can lead a much healthier life and, and be a much more centered artist um, if you can achieve that. So some life goals for that. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, we'd also really appreciate it if you were to rate and review us where you found us. We're generally hoping for five stars if you loved us or five stars if you didn't love us. Just keep it five stars. We don't really care about um, how you feel. Of course, we care about how you feel, but just you know, put that in the comments. You can be mean in the comments, but just give us those five stars. Um, you can also reach out to us with questions for the pod at mailbag at mappingthecollegeaudition.com, and we will try to answer a few of them on the show each week. Uh, if you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individual preparation for your college audition journey, please check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, don't forget to hold on tight to those pets of yours. You know, maybe give them an extra snuggle. Uh, I will see you next week. Have you ever 
wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.